Okay. Good evening. Uh, anyway, like I said, my name is Rabbi Jeff Sachs. I've met many of you before. Uh, and Rabbi Brabender will be back for next week's parasha. I wanted to look not at Parshat Shmot so much as Sefer Shmot. To take an opportunity, you know that uh, Rabbi Bravender often points out to us that it's, uh, it's always worthwhile to read the Nitziv, the Perush of the Hamek Davar of the Nitziv of Rav Natali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin who was a Rosh Hashiva in, uh, in Volozhin and lived uh, in the 19th century. Um, and uh, that, that perush, al-Hatorah, is worth paying attention to, and particularly the introduction of the Netziv to each of the Svarim in Chumash. Um, but Rabbi Bravender often also uh, points out to us that the perush of the Ramban is especially worthy of our attention. So I wanted to do something this evening by way of looking at the introduction of the Ramban who lived 600 years before the Nitziv to Sefer, his introduction to Sefer Shemot as well as the Nitziv's introduction to Sefer Shemot by way of comparing them because they're both actually motivated by a similar question which is, well actually the truth is is that both the Nitziv and the Ramban who are separated by, by so much, by, by time, by space, by background, by, by so many different things. The Ramban, of course, lives for most of his, his life in Spain in the, uh, in the 13th century. The end of his life, he comes on Aliyah uh, to, to Israel and dies, uh, I think, in, in 1270. Um, comes to Shalayim and then comes to Israel at the end of his life. But his his perush is very much that of a Sephardic Rishon. And the Nitziv, the Nitziv living in, in Poland and in Lithuania uh, in, in the 19th century, um, from a completely different orientation, but in fact there's so many things that are similar between these two commentaries. They both have, they both have a concern with a or an interest in what I'll call a, a literary reading of, of the Chumash. By literary, I mean they're paying attention to, to, to themes that run throughout, throughout Chumash, themes that run throughout sections, and attention to not only what's said and the attempt to understand how it's said and how it connects with the history of the interpretive tradition, which was very much, let's say, Rashi's agenda, but with what's going on in the text as it, as it sits before us. What are the issues that are presented? What are some of the, the theological ideas, philosophical ideas? So that the Ramban, for example, will introduce an idea like Maseh Avot Siman Labanim, which is a, an interpretive tool, but it's also a... And it also uh, has a Kabbalistic meaning for the, for the Ramban, but it's also a, uh, what I'll, I'll, I'll call a literary tool, meaning it helps us read the Sefer. It helps us understand what's happening in the Sefer and to put it into a larger context of what's happening throughout Chumash. We'll come back to this idea uh, in a moment. Similarly, the Nitziv tries to draw 
paint paint the picture on a, on a large canvas. They're both the Nitziv and the Ramban, very interested in exploring not in a kind of it would be anachronistic to say in a psychological way, uh, but not in a psychological way, but to, to explore the personalities of the biblical characters, particularly of the of the Avot, and and both of them were prepared to make a presentation of the Avot that was very human, that the Avot were not supermen, but they were supermen, but Beholzot, that they were human beings just like us. Um, and, and this presentation of the, the complexity of the personalities and the complexity of the relationships is something that comes through very clearly both in the Ramban and in the Tzib. So you see these two commentaries, which on the surface seem to be separated by so much, really share a lot, uh, share a lot in common. And, and we might see that by comparing these two, these two hakdamot, the two introductions that each, of them, that each of them wrote. Both of them are motivated by the same question, and that is... You know, which a commentator might be interested in when you're writing an introduction to, to a book of the Chumash what is this book about? now that question itself is a is a literary type of question it's motivated by the assumption that there's a grand theme at work here in this, in this book which is, which is an assumption so I, I ask you, I turn the question to you in, in, in one phrase, not even in one sentence, but in one phrase or in one brief headline, what is Sefer Shemot about? Book of Exodus. Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. Birth of Israel, development of the people. Creation. Perhaps you've looked ahead at the sources. No? No? You know, the sources get emailed out in advance. I'm sorry? David Silber, okay. So David Silber is 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 quoting the Nitziv, um, which we'll which we'll see in a moment, um, which we'll see in a moment. Most people poke Chazi Venira. Stop stop the next person you see on the street when you leave this evening and ask them what's Sefer Shemot about. And I'm guessing in the overwhelming majority of cases, the people will agree with this gentleman here who says it's about Yitziat Mitzrayim. And in fact, in English, we call it Exodus. Right, Yitziat, Yitziat Mitzrayim. But in fact, that that's not the case. Although Yitziat Mitzrayim is, you know, the great opening story, and uh, and the way that we, you know, often think of the Sefer and for the next couple of weeks, it's what we'll be hearing about and thinking about. In reality, the Yitziat Mitzrayim takes up just about a third of the book. There are forty prakim. There are forty chapters in, in. Shmot. Chapter 1 to 14 deals with the introduction of the, the character of Moshe, the story of Moshe's background, then quickly gets into, very quickly, it's remarkable if you pay attention uh, on Shabbat morning in, in Shul, or as you go over the Parsha in advance, how quickly the action moves. Look, we, we have to unpack our memories of all of the stories of the birth of Moshe and him being, you know... Uh, him being put in the basket and then of course all of the many midrashim that we compound onto that but the truth is the story really gets moving really very very fast but the the story of Moshe and Moshe coming into the position of leadership and then the 
the appeal to Paro and the ten plagues and finally going out after the tenth plague. That's the first 14 of 40 chapters of the book. Chapter 15 is Shirat Hayam, which is, of course, let's say, appendixed to the part that deals directly with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. 16, 17, 18, Parshas, in, uh, in the Parshiot after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, before Matan Torah, are dealing with a number of miscellaneous things. Certain mitzvot are given in Marah. There's the attack of Amalek. There's the arrival of Yitro and the organization of the, of the hierarchy of the, the legal structure. Nine, chapter 19 and 20 is Matan Torah which is, of course, placed right there in the center of the book. Um, then you have four or five chapters from Mishpatim uh, that deal with various mitzvot. Uh, and then chapter 20, from chapter 21 to chapter 40, a full half of the number of prakim is dealing with the Mishkan. More, more airtime is given to the Mishkan than is given to the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Um, uh, with, of course, a break in the middle of Parshat Truma Tetzaveh, the Akhil Pekudeh, for the story of Cheta Egel and its aftermath. But even Parshat Kitisa is largely dealing with mitzvot, most of which are connected to, to the Mishkan and to the, to the workings of the Mishkan. So to say that the book is about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, or to say that the book is really about any one thing, is a little difficult because it's got so many different things. And when we think of Shmot being the book about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, well, it's, it's really a little deceptive. The, the book of our nation. Although, in what ways, this is the book of our nation and Sefer Bamidbar isn't? Vayikra has the most thematic unity in the sense that it's, it's given over almost exclusively to Karbanot and Tuma and Tara and etc. Um, but in what way? It's yeah, it's true. But is it true to the exclusion of other parts of the Torah? I don't know. It's true, but is it the most precise? I, I, well, we'll see. The Ramban, the Ramban is motivated by this question. The Ramban is motivated by this question because he's interested in explaining to us what the grand unifying theme of the book is, as the Nitziv will also be able to arrive at different answers. The Ramban here at the top of the page says, Hishlima katuv sefer breshit, shehu sefer ha-yitzira. Breshit is the book of Yitzira, the book of creation. Not to be confused with the Kabbalistic book by the same name. The Bechidush ha-olam, v'yitzirat kol notzar, the book of Breshit has been completed, says the Ramban. book of Breshit is the book of creation, because it deals with literally the creation of all matter in the universe, as well as the creation of the Avot, of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, because the creation of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov is talking about the creation of a people. Because all of the actions of the Avot, everything that they do, as recorded in Sefer Breshit, is also an act of creation. What is being created? The template of Mase Avot Siman Labanim. History is being created. This notion, the, the actions of the forefathers become 
the, the signpost become the template, become the path in which the descendants then become destined to travel. That somehow we, the Banim, or our forefathers who were the Banim of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, uh, are, are put into this, their, their destiny is, is set out for them, is, is, there's a, a certain amount of predetermination, not in any way to take away from, from, uh, from our free will, but historically speaking, we, we're, 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 the, the path has been trod through the Avot, and then certain actions and certain events are re, are re, re recur again and again and again through those, through those paths and through those, through those uh, masim of the, of the forefathers. So the actions of the forefathers carving out those templates which will then be repeated and echoed through history is itself part of the Yitzirah. And after the Torah finished describing the creation and establishment of those ma'asim, which will become the siman labanim, so now it's not to tell you some of those repercussions, some of those simanim, which come from the remazim. The hints that are planted by the actions of the fathers. And this book, Shmot, is dedicated to the Inyan of Galut Harishon Hanigzar Beferush Uvigulamimena. What happens in Sefer Breshit? That's this first source. That Hashem says that they're going to go down to Mitzrayim, they're going to be enslaved in Mitzrayim, and they're going to come out again. Right? Avram himself goes down to, goes down to Mitzrayim, and comes out again, and that becomes a template by which, by which the Jewish people will go down and will be redeemed. And Avram is given the promise in the Brit Ben Habtarim that they'll go, they'll be afflicted, they'll be, they'll be released. So the Ramban says, well, this is, you finish Sefer Breshit, well, what's the rest of the book about? The rest of the book is about turning the Ma'asim into the Simanim Labanim, actualizing the, the, the template which has been set. And that's why Sefer Breshit begins by telling you the names of the sons of Jacob that go down and counting out their numbers, even though the Torah had recently already told us that at the end of Breshit. But it has to tell you in other words, like, you know, you sometimes, maybe you've heard there's something called a television program, and you turn it on at the appointed time, and it tells you in last week's episode, and they give you a little recap. So that's what happens at the beginning of Shmo. There's a little recap of, you know, when we last left off, right? These Jacob and sons come down to Mitzrayim, this is how many people they were. And we're going to tell you again, because that's the beginning of this book. This book is about... Galut. So it has to start the story from the beginning of the Galut. 
which is when they get down to Mitzrayim. V'hinei ha-galut enena nishlam ad yom shuvam el mikomam v'el malat avotam yashuvu. So if the book is about galut, about the Bnei Yaakov, the Bnei Yisrael, who go into exile in Mitzrayim and ultimately are redeemed, so the theme of the book, from Galut to Geulah, the book doesn't end until they get back to where they started. Right? It's like a, like a journey. Like think of all great, uh, think of all great you know, Odyssey literature, including the Odyssey. It's a long, long book. It doesn't end until the hero returns to the beginning. Right? Think of all great, uh, think of all great stories in, in, in literature that you can think of that, that, that revolve around this idea. Right? Uh, the Lord of the Rings. The book is over after they destroy the ring. But then you have all these other chapters telling the story of how they get back home. Because that's what it got cut out of. Got cut out of uh, a lot of it got cut out of the movie. But because the story isn't complete until it's come full circle, so the story of Galut Mitzrayim doesn't end until they get back to the level or the stage or the state they were in prior to going to Mitzrayim. Ukishiatsumi Mitzrayim afapishiatsumi beta vadim adayin yechashvu golim ki hayu ba'eretz lo lahem nevochim ba'midbar. So the Ramban says, you might think that the book would end, or should end, or you should start a new book after chapter 15, after Shirat Hayam, after they get out of Mitzrayim. It should be a new book. But he says, no. Because as long as they were not back in Eretz Yisrael, as long as they were not back, at least on a spiritual plane that they occupied when they were last in, in Eretz Yisrael, if not physically in Eretz Yisrael, as long as they're wandering in the desert, perplexed in the desert, so then the story hasn't come full circle. So we can't start, so we can't start a new book. So it wasn't until they rebuilt the Mishkan. It's not when they get back to Eretz Yisrael, to the physical land, but when they get back to the place, when they get back to the state that they were in when they were last in Eretz Yisrael, which was God's intimate presence, the same kind of intimate relationship that had with the Avot, is now reforged with the whole new young nation. And that's when the Mishkan is up and running. That's when we reach back to this level of Sod Eloka Aleya Ohalehem. This is a, the, the Ramban is, is quoting a Posuk, or he's using, he's, he's borrowing a Posuk from, from, uh, from, from Eov. Eov is saying, he's remembering the good old days before his life kind of collapsed. And he says, I remember, me itnenu, right, who, like, halavai, I should get back. Kasher ha'iti bimei like in my, in my younger days, besod eloka alai ohali. When the sod, right, when the, 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 the secret, the intimacy, the counsel of Hashem was upon my, was upon my tent. Rashi there in Eov says, 
kashrei hador boim, kashayu kashrei hador boim, lo ali, lehivaseid, right, lehivaseid, from the same language as sowed, right, to, to take counsel, bedevreya kadosh baruchu betorah, vegeder siyag l'shah, Right, when the righteous would come to my tent, when in the good old days before I started getting afflicted, so all of the chashuvim would come to my tent, would come to my house to find out about Hashem. Right, so that that kind of intimacy that God's counsel is upon my house, is upon my tent. Right, that's what it was like for Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov, and that's what it's like again once we get the Mishkan up and running. Um, that they are the they are the Merkava. The Avot were the chariot of God's divine presence in the world. This, the, the, the Midrash Rabbah here, towards the bottom of the page, uh, describes what, what this means. That the, the Avot were kind of like the, uh, like the foothold for Hashem. Not, not in an anthropomorphic way. Right? That Hashem actually has a place where he puts his foot down. They're like the landing pad. That's what the Merkava is. Right? It becomes the, the base for, for Hashem in, in this world. Right? So that's what the Avot did. And that's the Mishkan. That's what the Mishkan becomes. So they're not redeemed from Egypt. It's true they leave Egypt in, in chapter 14. But they're not redeemed. They're not... They're not saved. They're not ge'ulim. The cycle of galut to ge'ulah, of exile to redemption, isn't complete until the end of the book. When they, when they have erected the mishkan and it seems to be, and it seems to be up and running. That's the end of the book. Right? Actually, a very a very dramatic ending to the book. A very dramatic ending to the book. Right? Now we have the Mishkan, and we have the Amud Ha'esh, and we have the Anan, and Hashem is dwelling amongst us in the... And here it is, and we've reached, even though we're not yet back in Eretz Yisrael, that's the rest of the story, how we're going to get there. Right? Although really, according to, at this point in the story, we don't know what's going to happen. In other words, imagine, you're, imagine you just landed from Mars, and you pick, open this, you pick up this book, the Chumash, and you're reading, and we're starting to say Fishmot. Right? Or even we fast forward to, we, we get up to Perak Tedvav, and we know that they get out of Mitzrayim. Or even we get up to Matan Torah. So what do you think is going to happen next? We think we're going to get to Eretz Yisrael pretty soon. And that's what's supposed to happen. The tragedy of, the tragedy of the Chetam Eraglim, nobody knows about this yet. But according to the plan, the book is supposed to be much shorter. And we're supposed to go right into Eretz Yisrael. But things, things go wrong. We'll talk about that in the summer. It'll be warmer. Um, so that's the Ramban. For the Ramban, Shmot is the Sefer Geula. It's the book of redemption. But the whole book is the book of redemption. The whole book is about 
the Jewish people being redeemed, not the physical redemption from the Beit Avadim of Mitzrayim. Yes, that also. But the redemption of coming full circle back to the spiritual redemption, the spiritual plane that they had previously occupied prior to going down. That's the Ramban here in uh, Perak Memvav at the end of Breshit. The Ramban asks a question, as they're going down to Mitzrayim, as they're going down to Mitzrayim, Hashem, Hashem stops, stops Yaakov to tell him something. He says, because his name's already been changed. And then Hashem makes a promise to him, don't worry, you're going down, but I'm going to take care of you and you're going to... Right, so the Ramban here makes this point, that why does he call him now Yaakov and not Yisrael? Because Yisrael is the name of the Galut. He's not in Galut yet. He's got, he's getting near to put one foot out the door to go into Galut. But he's still in Eretz Yisrael and Hashem is still communicating with him. So he's not yet in Galut. It's the last moment before they go into Galut. That's why he's called Yaakov at this last point before he crosses the threshold, as it were, to get into Mitzrayim. The Nitziv, on the other side of the page, asks the same question. What's going on here? What is this book about? He starts off with a question. Uh, I'll summarize his question. He points out that sometimes, uh, say for Shemot, you know, the names of the books of the Torah, the, the Torah doesn't give itself names. Right? In other words, we gave them names. Even we called them. Usually we weren't always very creative with the names. Usually we just, whatever the opening word, or the first noun in the book, the first noun in the Parsha, it usually becomes the name of the book or the name of the Parsha. Um, but uh, Chazal also gave the books, usually gave them nicknames. Like, for example, Bamidbar uh, 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 is sometimes called Chumash Pikudim. Right, because that contains the counts. Like in English, we call it the book of numbers. Right, because it's the book that has all these censuses of the Jewish people. So Pikudim is also, right, the, the Sefer Dvarim is called uh, Mishneh Torah, because it has this, these speeches of Moshe in which he reviews and reteaches all of the mitzvot, the recounting of the Torah. Vayikra is called Torah Kohanim, because that captures the theme of what's going on in, in, in the book. Um, but he points out that the Bahag and others sometimes call, and even in the Gemara, there's a Gemara here in Sota, um, that calls Sefer Shemot Sefer Sheni. Book two. Even though it gives names to, it's not like it calls it book one, two, three, four, and five. So the Ramban says, the Nitziv says, Manushach, either way. Either call it book one, two, three, four, and five. Or give them all names like Breshit Shmod which are not very creative but it helps you find it on the shelf or give it a name like Pikudim Torah Kohanim Mishnah Torah that captures a theme but why why mix and match why call it why only give the name Sefer Sheni to Shmot so he says that it tells us something here on line 6 so even the kind of casual conversations, the, the off-handed remarks of, of the Chachamim can teach us something. The fact that they just casually seem to refer to Shmot as Sefer Sheni can teach us something. It wasn't for nothing that they changed the name of this book. Oh, Shmot. Oh, 
כמו שקורא ספר במדבר, ספר פקודים, etc. That was the question that I just summarized for you earlier. אלא בא ללמדנו, דזה הספר, בייחוד הוא שני לספר ראשית הבריאה. So, Shmot is called Sefer Sheni, book two, to tell you that it's not, it's not really a, its own book. It's the second volume of the book that we just finished. Really, you have Sefer Breshit Aleph and Sefer Breshit Bet. The book of creation number one, what we call Breshit, Genesis, and the book of creation number two, which is what we call Shmot. So by calling Sefer Shemot Sefer Sheni, it's highlighting the, its connection that the book is really an, in a, an appendix, as it were, to, to Breshit. Breshit, which is Reshit Habriya. Right? Bireshit is the Reshit Habriya. It's the beginning of creation. But it's not the end of creation. Where's the end of creation? That's in Sefer Shemot. Ki uchelak sheni mizeh sefer. Hainu bo nigmar seder Habriya. That's where the account of creation is completed in, in our book, in Sefer Shemot. That's what Chazal said. That's how they explain the name Bireshit, Bishvil, on account of Reshit, the, the, the prime, the first. Who are the prime? That's B'nai Yisrael. Perush tachlit ha'olam bechlal, meaning the purpose of creation. And that is, if I'm telling you the story of creation, of anything, so you probably want to know. And again, you, you can you can you can see the literary mind at work. Right? This is a question of somebody that thinks of the book as as dvar Hashem. Yes, the revealed word of God, but the revealed word of God as a written book and there are certain questions that you that you employ when thinking about a piece of literature even a piece of literature which is Dvar Hashem so he says if I'm telling you the story of creation it's it's not such an interesting story it's not such an interesting story because really who, who, who cares but if I'm telling you the story of of how something is, how something is used, what its purpose is, how how it impacts on on the world, on the long range effects of things, then it becomes interesting. So to tell you that you know God made the heaven and the earth, and you know on this day He did this, and on that day He did that, and now He created. Uh, now he created plants, and on that day he created fish, and another day there were stars, and, and etc. So, you know, okay. But don't you want to know why he did all this? I mean, this is a topic that's, this is a topic that occupied so many people. Philosophers of all stripes. What was the purpose of creation? Right? The Rambam writes about this in the third chilek of, uh, of the Mornivuchim. Aristotle wrote about this. Everybody was concerned about this question. Why does God create the world? So the Ramban says God creates the world because of Am Yisrael. But this whole vessel called the world, this whole, this whole enterprise is created for the purpose of Am Yisrael, which is the Tachlit HaOlam Bechla. Hu Sheyeh Uma Achat Chelek Hashem Imo. 
וזה לא נשלם עד שיצאו ישראל ממצרים, ובאו לתכליתם שיהיו בצורה אחרת במה שקיבלו עליהם עול תורה ומצוות. The purpose of creation is that there should be one people in the world that were designated as Hashem's people, to be, he'll say in a moment, to be אור לגויים, to fulfill that destiny, to fulfill that destiny, um, and that doesn't happen until they get out of Mitzrayim. So, Bereshit Baraya Lokim et HaShemayim v'ta'aretz, dot, 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 that unit doesn't end until, and the Mishkan is up and running. Because the Mishkan up and running is finally the fulfillment of the purpose of why we created, why we created 80, however many Prakim earlier, why we created the world in the first place. Right, I'll skip ahead a line or two. V'zehu, he just mentions a number of places where he, the Nitziv, discusses this in his parish. V'zeh tachlit, on line 17, V'zeh tachlit habriyash nivra l'chvodo yitbarach. The purpose of creation was that there should be a nation in the world doing mitzvot. Line 19, he says, Nimtzad yitziat mitzrayim haya gmar habriya. Yitziat mitzrayim is the completion of creation. Oh, Matan Torah, right? In other words, if not the physical leaving, then the giving of the Torah, and then the setting up of the Mishkan, which is putting the Torah into, into practice. Kimvor od be Rabbah Reshit, b'schut ha-Torah shnikret Reshit. V'hainu kedit ha-bavodat kochavim. This Rashi quotes, Rashi in Chumash, the, the last pasuk in Perak Aleph in Reshit, uh, says, Vayer vayvoker yom hashishi. In other words, on the other, what we say in Kiddush, on Friday night, on the other, on the other days, is Vayer Vayoker Yom Rivi'i, Yom Chamishi, comes to Yom Shishi, Yom Ha-Shishi, the special Yom Ha-Shishi. So what's special about the Yom Ha-Shishi? Milamed Shehitna HaKadosh Baruch Hu Im Maaseh Breshit, Im Mekablin Yisrael Eta Torah Mutav, Ve'im Lav, Ani Achzir Etchem Etovu. That Hashem, when He created the world, on that Yom HaShishi, on that Yom, Yom, Yom Shishi, on Yom HaShishi, he made a tnai, he made a condition, he made a stipulation with the physical world that he created. Where he said, listen world, I created you for one purpose. That purpose was that one day in a bunch of generations from now, the Jewish people are going to accept the Torah. And when they do that, that's why we've made you. Right? That's what you're, that's what you're, that's what you're for. Right? And, and, uh, when, when they accept the Torah, so then, you know, that's like we're taking out a wrapper. But if, when that day comes, they say thanks, no, so you're not needed anymore, we're gonna turn you back to Tohu Vavohu. The whole existence of the world is because one day the Jewish people will become the, the agents for Kiyum HaMitzvot and for spreading Torah and to be in this world with the relationship between Hashem and us in this world. Rabbi Soloveitchik talks not, not on this specific topic. This is one of the, the great themes that runs throughout the Ish HaLacha, the Halachic Man. 
what the purpose of mitzvot and this world is. Right? But it's this idea that that's what, that's what this world is for. This world becomes the stage on which, right? All the world's a stage for the fulfillment of Ratzon Hashem through doing mitzvot. But if Taka, the Jewish people, would not have accepted the mitzvot, so world, we, we can just, you know, we'll take you apart, put you back in the box and revert you to void nothingness, vacuum, and desolation. Right? Uh, so you see that the creation, that's Chazal say, the Gemara says, Rashi quotes in Chumash, that the creation is done for the purpose, on condition of... So, it says, you see that the Sefer Shemot is part of Sefer Breshit. The whole thing is the Sefer Yitzira, Sefer Yitzira Aleph, and Sefer Yitzira Bet, Osheni. Right, and that was the purpose of Yitzhak Mitzrayim when they left in order to accept the Torah in order to fulfill the purpose the destiny of, of creation now he goes on he makes, a, he makes an additional point on line 24 V'dat Torah etzel am Hashem hu dat enoshi midat yashrut shel Torah adam so he says, like, I'm aware that there's the Torah. And there's also other things. There's other forms of wisdom. There's other forms of ethics and midot. And those are common to all of humanity. Those are common to all of humanity. And I'm aware that the Jewish people sometimes excel in the common denominator of wisdom and ethics and midot that are that they're meant to also have as a member of the human race. And I'm also aware that sometimes we don't. And I'm aware that the Jewish people sometimes fulfill their unique destiny of possessing and embodying and exemplifying the Torah. And I'm also aware that sometimes they don't. Asher afalgav ad rav even though it took many generations from the creation of the world until the Mishkan, and it seems a little strange that God should create the world, but the world shouldn't reach the purpose of its creation for many generations. And then it says, even in our days, in the, 1900, in the, in the 1800s, there are plenty of people walking around who haven't yet reached that fulfillment of purpose. But that's the purpose of humanity. The purpose of humanity in this world is to... I mean, I'm paraphrasing. These aren't the Nitzib's words. These are my words, but I think this is what he's saying. The, the purpose of humanity is to... to fulfill the, the purpose of the world. In other words, if you have a... If you have a, um, like I had a neighbor, if I, I'm very sad that he moved away. I'm not particularly handy, you know, with the toolbox around the house. But I had a neighbor who was like fantastic, so I just call him in. And like he, he had everything. Like he had, I have like the basics. I have like a Phillips head screwdriver and a flat screwdriver and a hammer and a, and a, and a pliers and like the basics. 
and he had like you know every type of screwdriver and he had every type of wrench and he had every type of uh, you know what you know those keys that you need that you know to the, to the hex wrenches and he had like the the wrench that makes the noise to get it really off and and as if you have only what's that old expression like if if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer every problem looks like a nail right or uh, I remember uh, I remember uh, what's his name uh, 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 Jackie Mason I remember hearing him once on TV you know that the, the comedian in New York saying you know like uh, like Jews aren't handy they don't uh, they don't know what to do with like a Jew a Jew thinks like a butter knife is just as good as a screwdriver right because, like, you know, because you don't know, like, so you have to put this in. He says, you can always tell a screw put in by a, by a Jew. It's got a little bit of cream cheese. <laughs> so, uh, so, in other words, so it's like you don't know how to use the tools, so you don't get the job done right. Or you do it in some kind of improvised way, and it's not exactly what it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, there was this uh, fellow, uh, Buckminster Fuller, Fuller. He was this, uh, he was like a, an architect of the future, and he designed many things, and he invented many things. And so he says, he has also this great quote where he says something along the lines of, "If you're if you're in a shipwreck, and you're lost at sea, and you're just kind of floating along, and uh, and the um, and a piano top, right? A you know, piano top comes floating along. It'll make for a very you'll be very glad to see it. It'll make for a very uh, handy, improvised uh, life raft." But that doesn't mean that anybody would set out to design a life raft uh, like a piano top. So this is what the Mitzvah is saying. I mean, this is what I'm saying about what the Mitzvah is saying. That the purpose of the world is that there's a tool called the world, and it has a purpose. And it's true that you can try to put a screw in with a wrench. But it's not going to be very good and the picture is liable to fall down off the wall or you're liable to knock a hole where you don't want to have a hole or maybe you'll manage to get it done and uh, but that's not the way it's supposed to be done that's not the purpose of the, the tool is the world and the purpose is that it should be a base like the Ramban said a Merkava a foothold in this world a chariot in this world for the fulfillment of Ratzon Hashem of God's divine will and that's what the Jewish people, that's what all of humanity is supposed to do in a certain way, but it's what the Jewish people are supposed to do when it comes to Torah and mitzvot and being, being an or, being an or la goyim. But Torah is unique, the unique destiny, the unique purpose of the Jewish people. And that's what we were created for. That's where, we're the tool for Torah. Right, and we we share a unique covenant with God to fulfill the Torah and to be an Ola Goyim. Therefore you see the line thirty on the bottom. Therefore you see that Sefer Shmot is number two, it's the second part of Breshit because it's telling you how to use the tools, the instruction manual for this power tool called the world. They are one topic, one inyan, with two parts, the two parts to Sefer Bria, what we call Breshit and what we call Shmot. That's why our book begins. Don't you remember you went to elementary school where the teacher always tell you, never start a sentence with the word and. 
Right? It's not true. You can actually start sentences with, with, with and. But, but it was a rule that we learned in elementary school. You can't start a sentence with the word with and. But the Sefer Shmot starts. Ve Ela Shmot. And these are the names. Right? Because it's a conjunction to show, to deepen, to highlight the connection between this book and the and the previous book. This the Medrash already had pointed out the connection of the letter Vav. To show you that the two books are really created. So again, the Ramban and the Nesiv are both concerned with the same question. The question is, what is this book about? Because, yeah, it's about the Exodus, but when you read it beginning to end, you realize that it's about lots of different things. And is there one grand unifying principle? There is. But we're going to disagree about what that is. The Ramban says it's about Galut and Geula. And Geula is not just about getting out of Beit Avadim. It's about what happens afterwards. It's about recapturing a level that you were on you were on previously. I mean, think about so many, you know, so many, uh, you know, for so long uh, we dreamed of coming to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, we, the collectively the Jewish people, sometimes we were in Poland running away from Cossacks and sometimes we were, I don't know, in America running away from things that were less threatening than Cossacks. But like we came, we thought about coming to Eretz Yisrael, we think of coming to Eretz Yisrael, it's like... Uh, you know, and, and they were both, it's interesting that uh, the Ramban and the, the Nitziv were both great, again, it's anachronistic to talk about them in these terms, they're both great Zionists. The Ramban, of course, came at the end, and the Nitziv was unable to come at the end, at the end of his life because of, because of health, but he was, although he had different feelings about different times, he was a supporter of the Chov of Etzion movement in the 19th century in, in Eastern Europe. Um, but this idea, you come to Eretz Yisrael, and that's, that's the Geulah. The question is, well, what, what kind of society do we build here? What kind of education do we do we create here? What kind of uh, Torah do we do we do we embody here? So it's not just enough to get out of where you were trying to get out of. It's a question of what are you going to be like when you when you get there. I mean, how many for, for years and years and years in America in Chutzlarts in the even in, in, in Israel in uh, in the 70s and 80s Solidarity Sunday and the concern let my people go not let my people go of but, but it, well, then we talked about Russian Jewry, right? And we wore those bracelets and we went on those marches and, and etc. Oh, so they, so they, they got let go. And now what do we do to, to help fulfill the Hemshech HaPasuk? Right? V'yavduni. That they should at least have opportunities to, to recapture what they, what they were robbed of under under all those years of, of communism. So the Ramban says it's about Geula, but Geula is not just getting out. The Nitziv says it's about creation. The Nitziv says it's about creation because the purpose of creation, the purpose of creation is Hashem, the Shekhinah, on the Jewish people who now have the mitzvot and can then go and create the society which will become the Orla Goyim. So it's interesting to look at these two before Shim, one in Rishon, one in Achron, one in Spain, one in Eastern Europe, uh, motivated by the same underlying question, using very similar ways of thinking through the larger portions of the text, 
to come up with a conclusion and in all cases still coming up with two very different kinds of ways of thinking about what this book that we're about to start reading on Shabbat morning for the next number of weeks is really about. Shabbat Shalom.